What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sons of Legends. It's your boy, Art Dog, here with your homeboy, MJ Gunner. Oh, we on lockdown, but we still got stuff going down. How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? It's all good, bro. Uh, yeah. We got the homeboy on the line, Michelangelo. What's good? Say what's up to the people. How we doing? Thank you for having me on. That's a fact. That's a fact. Uh, let's start off with, uh, obviously, our topic. Uh, how much trouble is too much trouble? So, uh, John Jones, the UFC light heavyweight champion, got arrested again. Um, and here we go again. <laughs> if you could just see the smirk on my face, because I remember telling you so, Art. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. No, yeah, you I don't. Do. Yeah, no. I do. yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, you was one of them ones who used to change men. You no, did. I you was said, not. Dog, you gonna sit on? You gonna get on this show and front for all these people? I am not fronting this dude right here. Let me tell That's you. What you gonna do? Let me tell you what this dude did. All right. John Jones fought uh, OSP to regain his light heavyweight title after he was the first person to lose it via the wellness policy. This guy Gunner believed every word John Jones said about him being a changed man. Here we go. And now he hates him more than anybody else. That's the reason why I hate him. He tricked you. And whatever. He wouldn't be the first person to lie to me. He's not the he's not the first person to lie to me. He won't be the last, Arch. Okay? But you believed him. That was the difference between you and me. Man, whatever. You act like you didn't you act like you weren't buying into this art. I, I was knew. not. After the second after the second okay. After he did the the thing and then comes out there, he's a changed man, he yada yada yada, he does it again. I knew it, Art. I've always known it. You're a liar. It's aesthetic. You're a liar. Michelangelo, how much trouble is too much trouble? Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on how much money you got, right? I guess so. Like, Conor McGregor stays in trouble. John Jones stays in trouble. The Usos stay in trouble. Uh, Roman Reigns is always in and out. It's not because he's in trouble, though. He violated the wellness policy. Once. He's been suspended. Randy Orton stayed in trouble. I mean, how much trouble is too much trouble for you to let them go? Okay, if it was just the wellness policy, you know, maybe smoke a little weed or something, that's one thing. Yeah, that's... that's. But when it's DUIs and... I think there was something with a gun, wasn't it? I think so. I mean, for God's sake, John Jones hit a pregnant woman and ran. I mean, yeah, he's he's one of the best fighters, you know, in the world. He can't take that away from him. No. Unfortunately, I tried, but I can't. You can't. He's still undefeated. But at the same time, I think eventually it's more trouble than it's worth. And I think he's flirting with that line. I don't know. Millions of dollars. I mean, if he's going to keep making you and your company look bad, then... I think eventually they're going to have to cut that tie. 
So what do you think they base it on? Pay-per-view buys or ticket sales or merchandise or what? Yeah, I guess, you know, you bring in the money and whatever. Because Conor McGregor still has the two highest gates in UFC history. He sold the most tickets in UFC history. But yet he stays in trouble. He punched the old man at a bar. Yeah. For turning down his shitty whiskey. <laughs> so... What do you do when your when your talent just stays in trouble? I think eventually it is time to let him go. And John Jones, in my opinion, is flirting with that line. I don't know, dog. I don't know. John Jones sells a lot of tickets, and he has a lot of pay per view buys. So they're just supposed to let him keep doing whatever he wants, no consequences whatsoever. Kinda. Man, whatever. <laughs> hey, nobody's bigger than the company. I don't care who you are. Hey. I mean, I... Go ahead, I, bro. I think it's... You know, I think, uh, you know, Gunnar was saying something about a line. I think that's what it all comes down to, and it's uh, public perception, because, I mean, you know, you look at um, uh, Aaron Hernandez, and, you know, it's like, that's way over the line. There was no way of him coming back. Uh, but then you have, you know... Um, like assaults that kind of look like kind of are like skating that line. And then you have, oh, the guy just smoked a little weed and got drunk and drove a car. But you when know? you think about it, there are a couple murderers that were employed by the WWE also. Scott Hall killed mm-hmm. somebody. And he had a booming career. Was it before or after? Jimmy Snooker killed somebody. So... Where do, where is the line when you're a top draw? As I said, if you're gonna make keep making me and my company look like idiots, then I think that that should be the line. You know, I understand he's a I top mean, draw and everything, but it comes to the point where if you can't get your shit together, then you should get out. But I don't know if if the personal life really affects the company. I mean, you, especially with guys like John Jones, they back him, they back him, they back him. He's pretty much their poster boy, and he keeps doing shit like this. Yes, it makes us look bad. Yes, it makes us look bad. Indeed. Yeah. I think it depends, because, I mean, you look at UFC, and what do they want for their fighters? They want their fighters to be looked at as dangerous. They want them to be looked at as big and bad. Uh, you saw a lot of this with Mike Tyson. Like, not only was he the best boxer, he was literally... Um, the baddest man on the planet. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't just a clever, clever nickname. So it's like, I think it depends. I think it's, you know, different for, you know, say basketball and UFC because, you know, basketball, you don't want uh, a guy that's, you know, known for, for murdering someone. Maybe UFC you do. Maybe in boxing you do because those are actual fight sports. Yeah, that's true. So maybe it does have a line in the sand where people who are in combat sports are offered a little bit more leeway when it comes to being in trouble. Personally, I don't think you should reward because bad behavior. You, when you think about it, a lot of them, people like Lauren Murphy who've turned their life around have been like uh drug addicts, uh drug dealers, gang members, 
You know, they uh, Jorge Masvidal did a lot of backyard fighting. You know, so maybe the tough guy image is upholding, you know, their their image in the UFC. But it's not even a tough guy image. It's not like he got into a fight or something outside the UFC. He's driving drunk. It's not, it's not exactly the big and bad image that UFC fighters should be looking for. But being arrested is a for being Bad a drunk driver. Image. I mean, the Usos did the same thing. He got arrested for drunk driving. And he got in trouble for it. And he's back. Well, I mean, drunk driving isn't really, a, you know, like a tough thing. It's not like a fight, but it does show recklessness. And, you know, that in itself, like, kind of sells, you know, a fighter. Or like, oh, this guy is reckless. He'll do anything. He'll, he'll drive drunk. He'll, you know, do this and do that. Right, it's more along the lines of he doesn't care about the rules. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess we just have to beg to differ here because I don't think that someone who's why push and I hold in such high uh, standards, this is supposed to be, you know, I center pretty much center my company around this guy, you know, and then you keep going out there, you keep making an ass of yourself, and you keep making us look like look like fools, pretty much. Because my opinion is what's happening here. I don't know, bro. Yeah, of course you don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm backing John Jones and his decision of what he's doing or what he did. I'm just saying that I don't think it has that much effect on the company as long as he can keep fighting. So what would you do? I I mean, he's a million dollar attraction. I would keep him personally. So keep going, keep destroying yourself, and to keep destroying your image. But know? but you already know that people give their life for the business. So when their when their longevity or when their usefulness runs out, that's when they get rid of them. He's not giving his life for the business, though, Art. What's he doing? I just said he's making an ass of himself and making the company look bad. At least in my opinion. He's still an undefeated fighter. He's still the light heavyweight champion. Nobody's been able to prove him wrong. So when people want to see him get beat by somebody, like how excited were we to see him fight Dominic Reyes? We were super excited because I told you that if anybody could beat John Jones, Dominic Reyes could. Even though you, even though you feel like he did win that fight, Dominic Reyes did win that fight. John Jones was still awarded the decision, and now you can't wait to see Reyes beat his ass again, can you? Not really. No, I'm not really (laughs) looking forward to seeing this man fight again. Or to be completely honest with you. But if there's a guy that comes up that you think can beat him. You're going to be all over it. I'm not really invested in John Jones, Art, despite your popular opinions. But you're invested in John Jones losing. That's not even really to do with him, but to do with you and my mother. <laughs> hey. So, I mean, he, he makes a valid point. I mean, that's what we call him the wrestling business heat. Yeah. To watch a guy to watch him lose. Um, Money Mayweather is like that. Everyone hates Money Mayweather, and he's yeah. in that draw because everyone hates him. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I hate Floyd Mayweather. I get what you're saying. I hate Floyd Mayweather. And if there's any guy who has the possibility of beating him, I'm going to buy that fight. I don't give a damn how much it costs. 
I want to see Floyd lose. But guess what? It's never happened. And it's never going to happen. Long arms are a pretty big advantage, Art. No wonder it's never happened. Just because John Jones has the longest reach in the UFC doesn't mean somebody can't beat him. Okay. <laughs> that's that's real. All right, man. Enough of that. That was that was uh how much trouble is too much trouble. But let's get into uh some of this wrestling business things that's going on. Uh once again, I feel like AEW had the best show of the week. Yeah, I liked AEW. I was a little disappointed that they all didn't come out there and, you know, gamble in the crowd. Like last week. Yeah, like last week, you know, they did it backstage and everything. When did Dasha get in AEW? I don't know. Like she's a I noticed that Dasha was there, Dasha Fuentes, and she was a com- uh, uh, backstage correspondent for WWE. Right. But I didn't notice she was in AEW. Well, me neither. I like it, though, because I like Dasha Fuentes. <laughs> hey, so, Angelo, what did you think of AEW this week? If, uh, to give people a little bit of background, I usually mm-hmm. do not watch AEW or NXT, but I made the exception to watch, um, you know, the episodes and stuff against those two programs. It's just not enough time in the day, usually. Yeah, right, um, right. but since we're and quarantined. I, and, I, I, <laughs> and I agree, AEW was, was great at um, You know, I... I, I'm a little bit lost on the storylines, but what it seems is they have everything factioned up, and you have uh, Chris Jericho's faction going into uh, Cody Rhodes' faction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, um, the elite and the uh, inner circle and the inner circle are been squabbling for the last couple weeks. And when they get an audience back, they're going to do a big War War Games style match. If they get an audience back within they the said, next couple months. They said that they're going to... Uh, I, what I hear is that they're going to hold off on that match until they do have an audience again. And and I'll, in my honest opinion, I'm really liking this no audience thing. I mean, it grows on you, you know? It takes a little while to get used to it, but it does grow on you eventually. Yeah. Because, I mean, look at uh, the thing with Matt Hardy. They would not have been able to do that in a live audience at all. That was insane. I that was, Yeah, that was incredible. Like, bravo, man. And, and the fact that Vince would never, ever let Matt Hardy do any of this stuff. Because really, when you're going into the supernatural realm, mm-hmm. that's the Undertaker's territory. Right. Nobody's able to use that stuff because the Undertaker uses it. So Vince would not allow that type of stuff. Which is one of the reasons why I'm glad that Matt Hardy's free to do whatever he wants again because he is pretty entertaining, you know? Especially now with the whole broken thing. Yeah, what's up? uh, You you say that no one can do the supernatural thing except for The Undertaker, but you have Bray Wyatt doing the exact same thing. But it's the complete opposite. He's actually uh, surpassed the supernatural things that Undertaker and his uh, funhouse gimmick. Yeah, but it's the complete opposite. See, The Undertaker does more uh, gothic things, and Bray Wyatt does more schizophrenic things, like a split personality. The things that Matt Hardy was doing was more along the supernatural gothic realm with the teleportations, the fire coming up from where he's pointing. Yeah. And that's more of the yeah, Undertaker's I mean, thing. Uh, 
Bray Wyatt did teleportation a couple times, um, also in that championship match where he teleported out of the arena. Well, yeah, lights off, lights come on, yeah. and he's gone. But Matt Hardy yeah. was kind of just shifting from place to place. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that, that's you can't really do that with a live audience. Yeah, no, no, right, not they, at all. They don't actually have magic. <laughs> And, you know, it's good on AEW for taking advantage of the whole no audience thing. You know, my favorite thing, though, my favorite thing was Jericho cutting the promo on Vanguard One. <laughs> that man was yeah. hilarious. Chris Jericho is hilarious. Like, I don't He's the see go for a reason. how you can cut a promo on a drone and make it entertaining. He's the goat for a reason. Yes, sir. Like he's a, he's a bright yeah, spot for a reason. Yeah, go ahead. I think that sums up my opinion. Like only Chris Jericho could make it work uh, with a promo against a helicopter. Uh, what's it called? Drone. A drone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm an old, I'm an old man pretty much. So. <laughs> See, I'm uh, I'm I'm uh, the one thing that this quarantine is forcing people to do is come up with entertaining and more, and better promos is really showing who has the mic skills and who doesn't. Yeah, most definitely, you know, they don't really uh, have too many matches on, at least not a WWE programming, so they have to use promos and stuff. And hats off to them, because most of them have been really, really good. So let me ask you, Michelangelo, you first. Who had your favorite, favorite promo this week? I, I kind of got to go with uh, the entire Jericho thing because, you know, it, co- it combined the whole um, the drone thing and then Matt Hardy came in. So I think overall that was the best promo of the week by far. You but are... I, I was also very impressed with uh, the Bray, Bray Wyatt versus Sean Cena promo. I really like that. Yeah, I like the, those two. I love when Matt Hardy called Jericho a hole of the ass. <laughs> Great. Matt, Gunner, bro, what was your favorite promo of the week? Most definitely Rollins' promo. You know, I think that, you know, now that there isn't really an audience for him to play off of and he has to use his promo skills, Seth Rollins' promos have really been, have really been, you know, skyrocketing, especially this past week on Raw, because I cannot argue with him there. Yeah. Like, he was one of the first big main stars in NXT. Hell, he's probably the first main star in NXT. He was the first NXT champion, one of the first to transition to the main roster. You know, the argument can be made that Rollins did set the foundation for NXT. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Rollins really cut deep on Kevin Owens, mm-hmm. telling him how he lost WrestleMania after WrestleMania after WrestleMania. And meanwhile, the same WrestleMania where Rollins lost, he won the title later that night. I mean, he does have a WrestleMania list of accolades as long as your arm, yeah. you know? The title, uh, winning the WWE title, winning the Intercontinental title, beating Triple H, beating Brock Lesnar for Universal title. I mean, he's been building a pretty impressive WrestleMania resume. Yes, he has. Um, My promo of the week kind of goes to somebody who's been falling off a lot, and that's Sammy Callahan. 
Sammy Callahan showed up in Impact, even though Impact is taped weeks in advance. Ken Shamrock was getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. We haven't seen Sammy Callahan since he lost the title to Tessa Blanchard. He comes up and fireballs Ken Shamrock face. Didn't say a word. Like an actual fireball? Yeah, it, it was uh the paper, the fire paper. Mm-hmm. Stuck it in Shamrock's face, pushes a button on his phone and disappears. Wow. Didn't say a word. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Everybody's excited about Shamrock being one of the TNA originals, popping up in the Hall of Fame and all that stuff. And Sammy Callahan chose his moment, comes back, doesn't say a word, covered in all black, face covered up, fireball Shamrock, shows his face and disappears. Mm-hmm. That That is one of the, I think that's one of the key things to promos because when you can do a promo and don't say a word, it really shows how great you are. Like that's almost impossible to, you know, have a good promo without talking. The last people I remember doing it is Triple H and Undertaker. Right. They didn't have to say anything. They just pointed at the sign. That was it. They just looked at it. They didn't even point. Right. They just looked at it. I don't know if I'd count that as a promo. I mean, the point of the sign, like, I, I agree with you, the silent promo where you're just, you're letting your actions and your expressions take care of it, but, I mean, pointing to the sign, that's a little lackluster. So I kind of always hated that, like, oh, the WrestleMania sign, ooh, whoopee. Yeah, Drew Drew is mastering pointing at WrestleMania sign. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Galloway is, like, mastering that, or... McIntyre. I don't know why I called him Galloway. Because <laughs> that's what he used to go by in Impact. You were just talking about Impact. Yeah, but um, he's doing the, he Sammy Callahan's doing a great job. I loved uh, the New Day and the Usos promo on SmackDown because mm-hmm. it took it back old school. It took it back to when you were in the back in some type of hooded area somewhere. And you're just talking to the camera, letting motherfuckers know what's up. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that shit. And the new day, Biggie is always hilarious. True. Yeah. True. Always. But one thing I did love was the Miz and Morrison on commentary. Yeah, they're pretty great. You know, I said it. I believe I said it on the show before. You know, they've uh, kind of elevated themselves since. You know, we saw them back in a, a decade ago, but they're still the same somewhat. You know, they've maintained their youthful, punkish ways, but it's they're more mature with it now. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> well, I think it's more than, um, more than that. It's more that they're recognized now, because when they were doing that, they were on ECW. It was the hour-long show, which was basically the big show show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like they weren't really getting the recognition. I think it was, you know, just as good because I really started liking uh, Morrison at that point. Uh, that really is what turned me on to Morrison, uh, that whole one. Yeah. And now it's like they're on the big stage doing it and they're killing it. I, I've been really enjoying that pairing, um, been bringing back that pairing. Love Ms. Morrison. Now, how do you guys feel about the changes that's being made to WrestleMania? Because there are a lot of wrestlers that are falling off of the WrestleMania card, but they're also picking up a lot of matches. 
Because from what I hear, okay, so I hear that Andrade is out. Roman Reigns is out. Uh, there was Dana Brooke is out. Yeah, Rey Mysterio won't be there. Rey Mysterio's out. So, but they've added the triple threat ladder match. Should be a good one. They've added uh, the Street Profits against Garza and and uh, and and Andrade, but Andrade's gone, so now we don't know what is going to happen. Uh, I heard that Braun Strowman is supposed to be replacing Roman Reigns against Goldberg, which I don't know how that's going to work. Not looking All right, so let's go through it. How do you feel about the triple threat? Roman Reigns, that's for sure. Yeah, how do you feel about Roman being pulled out and Braun being put in? Michelangelo, go ahead. Um, I love it because I really do not like Roman Reigns, and even more so, I really hate Goldberg. I hated him back then. I hate him even more now that he's all <laughs> old and washed up. I think he has no business being in the title picture at all. So I think anyone, any addition to that match, I mean, it could, it could be Humberto Carrillo for all I care. It would improve the match. <laughs> Gunnar, how do you feel about Roman being pulled out? Well, and Braun being put in. Oh, you know, I can understand why Roman doesn't want to do it. You know, it's help mm-hmm. comes first, man. And his, uh, his immune system probably isn't the highest, you know, because of uh, his battles with cancer and everything. So, yeah, I definitely respect to him uh, putting himself above the WrestleMania and everything and doing what's best for him. Uh, not a very big fan of Strowman being put in only because... Braun's not, not a, a monster very, anymore. Not a very big fan of Braun Strowman, but you know, it was just out of the blue, you know? Like, there are a few more main eventers on SmackDown that I think that could have uh, been put in. And Braun Strowman, you know, is not exactly... A main adventure at the moment, you know, he was uh, he's mid card. He was uh, holding the mid card title and everything, and he just lost the mid card title. You know, so to somebody who hasn't really even been wrestling, so I just don't see why they uh, would put in Strowman of Goldberg. Now that's my problem with it. I'm not I'm not opposed to Roman stepping away because Lord knows. This is a pandemic, and he has a weakened immune system already. Right. So I'm good with that. But to put Braun Strowman there is a little bit far-fetched right now. And Braun versus Goldberg is a match that nobody wanted to see. Not really. Oh, because it's the same thing. Like, you paint yourself into a, a hole here, you know, with Goldberg. You know, somebody's got to get squashed here. That's what Goldberg does. He works squash matches. Right, and Braun Strowman in a six-minute match is typical of Braun, but him being squashed by Goldberg would make it way worse. He's already been squashed by Lesnar. And to truth be told, you know, I think Strowman's kind of lost credibility as a main eventer, at least in my opinion anyway. You know, like, they try to save him all the time, you know. Like, he didn't really lose. You know, something just happened to him. But, in my opinion, that can only happen so many times, man. I don't care how he lost. The point is, he lost. You know? Yeah. But, I mean, you, you take the, the wins and losses in, and I agree with you as far as the storyline goes. Like, it's kind of weird just putting him. 
But I think he's overdue for this. I think he's a great attraction. Um, he's a big guy. He can move. He's great on the mic. He's funny. I mean, there, there's just so much to work with. I mean, it should have been Braun um, being set up for this match a long time ago. It should have been Braun versus Bray for the title at WrestleMania. Really? Yeah. I didn't see that one. Because but... it, it, works so, it works so perfectly. Braun Strowman is the old soldier of Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt remembers. Fiend always remembers. So now you, you Oh, yeah, that, that story would have been great. Yeah, most definitely. Yep. I get I get where you're going it, it with this. Lot, it would have been a lot better than Oldberg coming out every every week and just, you know, saying his line. Like, like, like I said, I, I do not like that Goldberg in the title picture. I think it is probably the most awful thing since Godfather's Great. But I can tell you who did pitch to get put in this match. Matt Riddle did do a pitch to get put in this match. If anybody is annoying, it's him. <laughs> that man annoys the you-know-what out of me. He really does. I love Matt Riddle. Give it up, bro. It's not happening. I love Matt Riddle. Freaking troll. Dang. He's riding his skateboard down the road, and then he hits a bump, and he goes, whoa, that was dangerous. Almost as dangerous as a jackhammer. <laughs> great. I love Matt Riddle, dog. He is such the he is yeah. one of the best trolls on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm all in for Matt Riddle. I, I would I would like him to be in that match, but I think that's just a huge, huge jump. That's way farther jump than Braun Strowman. Yeah, and not only that, uh there was a new tag team that debuted on him. Uh Formerly known as uh, Stokely. Yes, Stokely Hathaway in ROH. In ROH, came out and he introduced a new tag team. We don't know who they are. We don't know their names, but I already don't like them. Why not? Obviously, when when you come in on somebody, you want to make the best impression. And they did not. They did not know what they were doing as a team. They did not know what moves they wanted to hit. You can see the hesitation in them. Uh, I I just don't like it already. They look like they look like two big clumsy buffoons in there. Well, Art, I know we like to kind of downplay the word developmental. But technically, that's what NXT is supposed to be. And you're absolutely That's where the new guys go to, you know, learn how this works and everything. Yeah, I admit that there were a couple of uh, mistakes that I noticed as well. But I'm willing to give them a chance. You know, they already have a good mouthpiece and everything. Yeah, they do. And I I kind of like the finisher. I didn't... I didn't really see it. What the elbow drop uh, under the knees? The knee. Yeah, I like that. It's been there, done that. Who does it? Uh, we've had that from Billy Gunn and Road Dog. We had that from the War Machine. We've had that from uh, uh, Goldust and Cody. War Machine doesn't do that move. Yeah, I mean the the backbreaker elbow drop or leg drop has been reused a lot, a lot. Okay. Yeah. I mean, wrestling's been going on for how many years and how many different matches and wrestlers. I mean, everything's replicated at this point. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you, 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 look, right. at, 
you look at uh, the high flyers now, and they have to uh, basically do the most insane acrobatics to even come up with a new move. That's true. That is true. And, uh, you know, it's hard to be creative nowadays. You know, everything's kind of been done before in wrestling. So you have to take something and make it your own. You know, and even if you didn't yeah, invent it. Not only that, there are so many, like, tag team finishers that they could use that have been not used recently. You know what I mean? Like, uh... They could have used La Resistance finisher. I love that one. Uh, the Naturals, the double stunner thing. I love that one as a finisher. Hasn't been seen in a couple years. There are a lot of moves that they could use, especially two big guys like that. Yeah, I get what you're saying. You know, I, I just wanted them to make a better impression. I think that their manager overshadowed them. Since he's already got a fan base. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and uh, I think his I think his name is Malcolm Bigsby, something like that. Malcolm Bigsby, yeah, something like that. Now, uh, but and I, you bring up a great point. This is developmental, and I keep forgetting that NXT is developmental. See, that's what happens. You know, it's like that NXT has become. It's own brand, it's own global brand, yeah. which is great. You know, they put on the best matches on WWE TV. But sometimes we do forget that that's where people go to learn how to do things. You know, it's like they're so great, but you got to remember that technically it is still developmental. Yeah. You know, as much like watching uh, college sports, you know, it's. You understand, like, you're, you're wanting them to perform at that level, but you also got to understand that they're only 18, 19 years old. Right. And these are new superstars. Mm-hmm. All right, so yeah. how do you guys feel about the Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa uh, feud that's that's pretty much going to come to a head? I don't know if it's going to be WrestleMania or the the week that they're doing takeover, but they're gonna have an basically an empty arena match like Rock and Mankind had back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh so Michelangelo, how do you feel about this Johnny Gargano Tommaso Champa feud? I mean I'm familiar with the guys. Um as I said I don't usually watch NXT um you know week to week. So I, I can't really say on an overall feud, but from what I know about the guys, I would really like to check out that match. I, I might have to keep watching NXT to watch that match. Gunner? I've said it before on the show, and I say it every week, and I'll continue to say it. I think you that love this Johnny Gargano. It's kind of you know played out. You know we've seen it so I've, many times before. I hate you so much. It's true though. We've seen it so many times. You know this this feud's been going on for years. That's, well, I don't that's hate me because will, I spit the facts. That's at why you. we'll forever be enemies when it comes to the WWE well, and the UFC. I, don't don't hate me because I spit the facts at you. It's that's not true. a fact. It has been going on for years. It, you're gonna tell me it has not been going on for years? But you are all saying? behind the Miz and Daniel Bryan, who's been going on for years. They're not Miz and Daniel Bryan. There you go. There you go. And plus, we never had heel face Miz versus heel Daniel Bryan, did we? 
Probably. We yeah, don't yeah, know. They never switched roles on us, and that's just what this is. They just switched roles on us. Sorry. So when the when Daniel Bryan was with AJ Lee, he wasn't a heel. He never faced the Miz. You don't. He didn't deal with the Miz. Back you then, probably right? don't even remember that. He didn't feud with the Miz back then. It's been right? a ten year long feud. Well. I remember, and he never feuded with the Miz when he was a face, and Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan was a heel. This dude is so biased, man. Whatever, Art. Okay, I know you're a big Johnny Wrestling fan. Johnny Wrestling. I'm a Tommaso Ciampa fan too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, it's not cutting it for me this time. It was great the first time. The first I'm four times. Really, I'm not really feeling this this revamp that they're doing here. My God. Where do you want me to stay? Hmm. Huh? <laughs> hey, don't ask me if you don't want my answer. You're right. I'm going to stop asking you. If you don't want me to be truthful with you, then stop asking me then. Hey. You're, you got such a biased opinion. No, it's not biased. Folks. I freaking love Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa feuding with each other. This has been a battle for the ages. It definitely reminds me of The Miz and uh, Daniel Bryan. Only difference is these guys were friends in the beginning. Daniel Bryan and The Miz hated each other from the beginning. Right. Right. But these guys, they got the history behind it. I mean, Tommaso Ciampa was Johnny Gargano's best man at his wedding. They've been tag team champions. Tommaso turned on him. Johnny, Johnny turned turns on, on him. him. Like, this is this is what feuds are made of. This is Shawn Michaels and Triple H remade. I'm not feeling this feud, Art. I'm just not. I'm sorry. <sighs> God. Well, this guy, what man. What do you want me to say? I want you to say that this is one of the best feuds going. Well, I would be lying to you. No, you wouldn't. I would. You, you're lying to yourself right I'm now. I'm not. Hey, can we? Who not has do a better? This? Who can has a better feud right with now? The guest on the line, Art. Who has a better feud right now? Can we not do this with the guest on the line? Who has a better feud right now? Let me see. Kim Kardashian and her sisters. Well, the inner circle and the the elite is doing pretty great right now. Oh my God! Don't like you that don't you fucking dare! Don't you dare! Well, I do like that view more than this one. Can we just change the subject? Then what? Hey, fine. Let's change the subject. Hey, let's change the subject because your ass is getting me fired up up in here. Yeah, whatever. Well, well. Just, it's uh, karma, isn't it? What goes around comes around. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Hey, you remember <laughs> no, you last didn't. week. I remember last week. <laughs> no, you don't. Hey, yes, I do. Can we talk about something else, please? You're right. Let's get on to something else. All right, Brody Lee made his wrestling debut this week. How do you feel about that one? Brody Lee in the ring. He fought QT Marshall. Uh, personally, I would love to see Brody Lee interact with the audience but without it he seems like such a monster dog his clothesline hit so hard this week Michelangelo what do you think about Brody Lee Brody Lee I'm trying to Luke Harper I don't really know a lot of these NXT and AEW guys I'm not even sure which one it is it's AEW Luke Harper you remember Luke Harper yeah. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's Luke okay, Harper. Yeah, I, I'm really liking that. Me too. Uh, I like Brody Lee. Um, I didn't know that he had any mic skills at all. 
Yeah, you know, they didn't really let him talk in the WWE. That they didn't let him talk oh in the God, WWE, really. Great. What do you say, Angelo? He was great in WWE under Wyatt. Um, I mean, he kind of did his own thing where he was doing good promos on his own, but that was very short-lived. I mean, I can understand why a lot of people missed it because, I mean, I was a big Luke Harper fan when he was in the WWE, but... Um, yeah, I'm really liking uh, that he's like the leader of this, uh, what do they call him, the exalted The one. Dark Order. Yeah, the Dark Order. He's the exalted one. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I, I saw a little, little segment of him uh, eating dinner and basically kind of giving the talk to everyone. I, I really enjoyed that. I, I think that was a shot. Right now he's on it. I think that was a shot at Vince McMahon. How do you get that? You can't eat unless I eat. Oh, you're gonna touch your food before me? Get out of my get out of my office. Well, I don't think that everything AEW does is shot the WWE. I think like that some that of these fans do. I, I didn't anyway. think that one was. But my my surprise was him taking a subliminal shot at WWE by using the sister Abigail position to Go into the discus clothesline. All right, now I will. I'll give you that one. Okay, that was that was probably a little bit of a shot. But I love the way he does that now, though, because that makes that clothesline look really good. And yeah, I really enjoyed this uh, the promo and everything with him eating and stuff. And then yeah, I think it really shows off his character. You know, like he is the head man in charge of the Dark Order, and you don't make a move till I'm finished, basically. You know, I enjoyed it. That was dope. I really like that. Now, um, I do want to backtrack because I just remembered something. Um, my favorite promo though of the week, uh, it had it it had almost everything in it for real. Like, uh, I keep forgetting that certain people are cutting these promos, but Randy Orton really did like take the time out to come at edge hard i've been loving this feud to be honest man i'm looking forward to edge and orton yep. and wrestlemania see that's two veterans who know how to put on a good feud that is the best feud in progress in the wwe right now are You're ed right. and randy orton you are absolutely right and that's two veterans who know how to tell the story know how to do the feud and everything loving it loving it loving it and I was a little bit skeptical when it was going, you know, beyond like that kind of, like, you know, first meeting at the Royal Rumble. It's like, oh, like, oh, come on, you're gonna give us Randy Orton for Edge's like return? Like, you know, have have him fight a young guy. You know what I mean? But then when Randy out, Randy came out with the whole um, "I'm saving you, Edge, because I'm your friend." Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like I like where this is going. Like they're actually making this a good storyline. They really did. They really like are hitting you in the fields with this one. Yeah, I love this story. And they're really showing how veteran, like, I was the same way. I was like, why can't he fight AJ Styles or somebody that we haven't seen him wrestle yet? But when the storyline hit and it's kept growing between the concerto and the RKO on on uh, 
um, Beth Phoenix and the the concerto on MVP, and now they have no audience and they're just staring at each other in the camera because it feels like none of us are a part of this. Yeah, I think that they made the right call with Randy being his opponent. You know, they're familiar with each other. They work well together. Yeah, I think that those two come from the same, you know, era, era as they say, you know, of era, an era where people were good at storytelling and good with wrestling. You know, I think that putting those two together was a really good move. That really shined. Yeah. I think they really did um, a good thing with the whole best the best Phoenix RKO because I mean just in this generation in general they haven't really had very many uh, men attacking women. It's been one of the most Maya Jacks, mm-hmm. yeah. and you know she's huge. I mean, granted, Beth Phoenix is you know a former uh, women's wrestler. She's not just you know someone's wife that never wrestled before. But for them to, you know, put that out there, like, really put him over as a heel, and it was kind of a big moment for this generation, I think. Yeah. We forget that Randy Orton is an equal opportunist RKO-er. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the list just goes down. May Young, From- Stacey Keebler, Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. not like this is the first time he's ever RKO'd a woman before. <laughs> But the fact, that's how long he's been around because he was doing it when it was cool and then it stopped being cool for about you know 15 years and now it's starting to come back yeah true that true that yeah Randy did his thing this week and uh man shout out to them for being able to tell a story no matter what mm-hmm. alright we got about uh 15 minutes left here you wanna already uh, get into Chris Benoit sure uh, forgot about Dark him. Side of the Ring, man, part two. Did you watch part one and two, Michelangelo? I did. And Go ahead. You oh, man, that, that was a tearjerker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I cried I've a couple seen, times. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen a documentary that, you know, made me that sad. Like, oh, man, like, just like, hardly got the heartbreak. Um... The one thing that, like, really stuck out to me, um, besides, like, all the things that I didn't really know because I really only knew Kristen Law from WWF, WWE, um, so it was really cool to see the earlier history, but the, the thing that really hit me was, like, how close him and Eddie really was, um, you know, when I talked about him hugging his pillow, I thought, I thought that was kind of, like, borderline disturbing. But, like, just showed, like, how much, like, of a bond and how, you know, much Eddie meant to him. Yeah. Eddie changed. Eddie's death changed wrestling as a whole. It changed so many things. Yeah, because I didn't know the impact that that Eddie had until he died and how many people around him broke down from it. Yeah, not so I watched this that I know, you know, that he really did have an impact on everybody he met. Yeah. Now, part two is really conflicting for me because there were a lot of people that were like, <clears throat> you know, he's a murderer. I can't forgive him for what he did because they were had a bond with Nancy and Daniel also. But at the same time, to know that he was going to be erased from the rec- from the record books of wrestling, period, 
is hurtful, dude. Like, Woman was a great character. She was a great valet, and she'll never be able to be inducted in the Hall of Fame because of what Chris Benoit did. Now, if I feel bad for anybody not being able to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, it would be her. Because, as you said, she was one of the first... You know, valets, women valets, and everything. She made such an impact in uh, wrestling. But the most important thing is, she didn't do anything. No, she didn't. You no, know? like that's that's the heartbreaker here. Like she didn't do anything, and she gets the same treatment that uh, Benoit does. You know, they don't talk about her either. Yeah, I was kind of. We're talking about the WWE Hall of Fame, and like. I kind of don't like when it's just like they put people in WWE Hall of Fame that like never even made it to WWE or WWF. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I get what you're up. saying, but if they're going to induct people like Sting and the Harlem Heat and stuff like that, then the woman should be in there. Yeah, you know, they do induct WCW people. Right, right. I agree, but I, but I also... Well, and I'm not saying that, you know, Harlem Heat and them don't deserve their praise and deserve to be in a wrestling hall of fame, but, you know, it's like we're talking about WWE Hall of Fame. They kind of defeat the purpose, like, this is WWE Hall of Fame, but this person never even made it to the company. Yeah, Sting only had one match in WWE. I don't think that's Hall of Fame worthy, and he lost it. All right, but I have a question here. Right, uh, do you guys think that Benoit should go in the Hall of Fame? Definitely. Yeah. You guys Definitely. Do? He's he's one of the Absolutely. people who had one of those WrestleMania moments. And most people who have that WrestleMania moment is a shoe-in to be in the Hall of Fame. There's one person that's not in the Hall of Fame that definitely deserves it, and I don't know why he's not in there, and that's Psycho Sid. Yeah. Psycho Sid had a run in both WWE and WCW. Right. Well, I'm gonna he had take, a good run in WWE, but, too. Yeah, he, he, he was, was champ a couple times. He was one of the best in the early 90s, or late 80s, whatever it was. Yeah, he, both, 80s and 90s. He was, he yeah. was one, of those, one of those guys who had the championship a couple times. You know what I'm saying? He's one of the ones who fought Undertaker at WrestleMania. You know what I'm saying? So I just don't understand... Why he's not in there? Oh. Well, you I'm gonna take uh, Hogan, Undertaker. I mean, you know, he used to all the greats. I'm surprised he's not in there. I actually never even really thought to look that up, but yeah, I, I agree. He should definitely be in there. And I'm I don't gonna, know why. why I'm gonna take uh, an opposite point of view here, and I would say that uh, Benoit shouldn't go in. You know, I mean, yeah, he did uh, a lot of stuff for wrestling and everything, and nobody can take that away from him. But I think it would be bad PR to put him in there, you know, because then they really would be look like that they are celebrating a murder him and everything. <clears throat> but when you think about it, like whatever he's done it's not even going to really be remembered if they focus on the wrestling career that he had. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to focus on his him murdering his family. They're going to focus on what he, what he gave to the wrestling business. I don't think that most people would look at it that way. And not only, not only that, like bro. It's too hard to uh, separate the in-ring stuff from what happened outside the ring. 
And do you think that WWE played a part in it is the question because they said that he had steroids in the system and they were supposed to have this so-called wellness policy where they weren't even allowed to take anything. I think the wellness policy really, uh, really kicked up a notch, as they say, around this time. You know, that's they, when a lot of people started getting busted. Because they basically said that the WWE wellness policy was a joke. And I think that's one of the main reasons why they decided to kick it up a notch because of what happened with Benoit and what happened with Guerrero. And you know, after that, they really started cracking down on people. I'm really good. Oh, yeah. And Go ahead. Jericho even said in the interview, he's like, you know, it was it was so strict that you couldn't even get a high-powered ad or, you know, pain reducer. Yeah, he did. He did mention that. And big ups to Jericho, man, for being one of the people that brought the family back together. Yeah, because most definitely. everybody looked at him kind of, they, they kind of turned their backs after this happened. And uh, for David to, what was his name? David Benoit, his son? I think it's David Benoit. For his son to feel like nobody had his back, he said the only people that called him was Chavo Guerrero and Chris Jericho. They were the only ones that even looked out for him at all. Yeah, he's another one of these guys who I think really is, you know, a really big victim in this because he's going to get, you know, shit just because he's Benoit's son. Yeah, he's been pretty much vilified for no reason. He probably couldn't get into wrestling even if, you know, he really wanted to because, you know, what Benoit did would uh, carry over with him. I mean, we've all... It has. You know, I think, think AEW will have his back. I think he's gotten into wrestling before, but just never got off the ground. I don't know. I think AEW will have his back. I mean, I might be wrong about and, him uh, getting into wrestling. I don't know. Go ahead. Go ahead. And speaking of ha- having back, having uh, one's back, um, I don't. One of the you know great parts of this documentary was um, when Nancy Benoit went over to uh, the rural house after Eddie died and basically, you know, took care of the kids, helped Vicky get out of her depression. Um, you know, I, I thought that was, like, really showed, like, a lot of, like, character um, and heart from uh, Nancy Benoit. Yeah, she's, she's very admirable, a very lovable person, because even with the stuff that was going on with her and Benoit, she still took the time out to make sure that Vicky was okay and Vicky could move on from this. And it seems like it seems like Chris was hurt way more by this than anybody else. Chris was affected so much by Benoit's death that he never really got out of it. But he never talked about it. He never told anybody. He never saw a therapist. He was just a stone-faced guy like he always was. Yeah. And he kind of, like, say vague things where, like, people really didn't know what he was talking about. Like, he was um, asking the guy who was doing the um, the research on concussions, like, oh, well, you know, he's asked him a couple of questions. And he didn't really, like, sit there and talk to him about it. But, you know, he asked his question and he kind of went off about his business. Yeah, and uh, he was a former wrestler, too. Um, what was the guy that came out in the Letterman's jacket? Oh, 
Uh, Chris Lewinsky. Yeah, Nowinski was a wrestler hmm. also, but he was also a Harvard graduate. So uh, him leaving wrestling to go study, you know, his concussions and things like that, hmm. shit. Um, big ups to him, man, because he probably changed the game a little bit with that. Yeah. Anyway, I just don't think it was. Uh, it's fair to have her legacy erased because of this whole tragedy and everything. If anything's not fair, it's that. Yeah, it's 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 a crazy situation, bro. It's a crazy situation. So, uh, best show of the week, guys. What do you guys think? AEW, hands down. I think so. Uh, I loved AEW. I loved the matches that they had. Uh, NXT has some great things. Io Shirai returned. Um, I love the the promo between Sasha Banks and the rest of the girls mm-hmm. with Bailey because Sasha never really got to say whether she was going to turn on Bailey or not for that title. I'm just waiting for it. I'm pleading for it. Please, please, please. I'm ready to see a blue title around her waist. I really am. Uh, Tamina came back. Uh, Brody Lee debuted. Um, Matt Hardy debut promo. Um, Even though we're all quarantined, there's no crowd. I believe that the wrestling business is giving more to the world than anybody's giving them credit for. And I definitely respect that because, you know, they don't really have to. You know, they could be, you know, like the sports and everything, just shut it down. But they're there every week trying to, you know, make us forget for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it kind of becomes a two-sided argument because, you know, I, I think this kind of goes with everything uh, with this whole coronavirus thing. Mm-hmm. It's like you got people that are like, "Oh no, like you know, don't don't go out to work and you know don't put on shows." But it's like, well, you wouldn't have food and you wouldn't have entertainment if if we didn't. So, right, I'm one of those essential guys that has to go to work every day. So, yeah. uh, it's it's a hard time, dude, but I want to say thanks to the WWE and AEW and NXT and all these people that are putting Absolutely. on these shows for us. We appreciate it. We appreciate it, man, giving us something to do. Uh, and a thank you to all the essential employees making things happen in this crisis. That's you. Once again, us middle class people are saving you one percenters. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Michelangelo, tell the people where to reach you, bro. Uh, you can catch me on Facebook, Michelangelo Leon Solo. Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, at SleazyV. Uh, I think that's about it. I don't, I don't have too many other things. Gunner, <laughs> tell the people where to reach you. Uh, Matt Lindsay, Facebook, uh, Matthew Lindsay 637 on Instagram. <laughs> and of course, our dog one on Instagram, our dog three on Twitter, Arthur Quinn on Facebook. That's A R T D A W G. Uh, hit Dog. us up at the sons of legends 21 at gmail.com you can holler at us tell us what you want us to talk about and give us some insight on the things that we missed and thank you guys again for listening to the sons of legends and we'll be here for you as long as this thing lasts uh thank you guys for listening we'll holler at you next week so long